Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am not Liz Loza. Last time that I checked, I am Matt Harmon, and usually Liz is in the driver's seat for this podcast, but it's me tonight, and I'm with Scott Pianowski. Scott, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm trying to figure out just where I went right and where I went wrong in week five, and, um, you know, some nice glorious hits, a lot of big-name players produced, guys that you were excited to draft, excited to start, and then you know, there are a bunch of names of guys who I thought were finally, you know, Fantasy trustable. The Oakland Raiders very high at the top of that list and um, trying to figure out where I went wrong on that. So you know, it's like any Sunday. It, the league is a snow globe league. They shake it up <laughs> and you try to figure out where things are going, knowing that any conclusion you make is still to some degree, it's a, you know, it's still a butterfly just whizzing around and you never can really have a full answer of why things happen or what's going to happen. You just hope you get enough of it right that uh, the day is satisfying. Yeah, totally. I mean, there were some areas for sure where I felt really confident and I, you know, just got totally smoked on. But we're going to let you go off the top. One random thing, Scott. What's on, what's on your mind that you just want to get off your chest before we get rolling through the day's headlines? Yeah, it's it's the Raiders and it's John Gruden. Um, when they hired him, I thought it was a mistake. And, and I'll admit that I, I had some fun with the offseason quotes when, when Gruden would say something that sounded like it was 20 or 30 years behind NFL conventional theory. I thought, okay, good luck with that, Raiders. Tried to bet their over-under total. It was taken off the board as soon as they traded Khalil Mack, and, and obviously they haven't had a pass rush all year. So, I mean, that may turn out to be a mistake. But after four games of seeing Carr play reasonably well, of seeing Lynch be consistent week in and week out, of seeing Jared Cook finally starting to string together a month of promise. You know, we'd seen big cook games before, but I mean, he really played well in September and Amari Cooper was back and was back in form too. I got to the point where this week I picked Oakland as what, not only as a, um, against the spread pick, I actually used them as one of my five picks in my throwing darts column. I played cook in some DFS contests. Uh, Lynch was a borderline starter for a couple of my teams. I pushed the button on him, and what do they do? 10 points against the Chargers <laughs> defense. I mean, we know the Chargers yeah. have no home field advantage. We know they have no Joey Bosa yet. I, I mean, they have still have some good players on defense, but I thought this was going to be a game where the Raiders would at least get their 20 points. If they lose, they lose. Even when they were getting smoked at halftime, I thought, okay, well, this opens up the door for a lot of garbage time. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking thinking, okay, Lynch is sinking one of my teams and Cook is sinking one of my teams. And, I think I was even dumb enough to play Amari Cooper on one of my DFS lineups. He had one catch, one, catch. one target. So uh, what, give me some some straight talk. Give me some common sense because right now I want to go back to 
I'm just going to play the recency bias card. I want to say, you know what? I was right about John Gruden in yeah. July. This team is still one and four. It still looks like a broken team to me. Give me some straight talk. I, I don't know. I see. I'm with you too. And like to me, I I was with you that I thought the Raiders were, you know, not set up personnel wise, coaching wise. Like I think John Gruden is a decent play caller and play designer. I think he schemes offenses pretty well, but I don't think like him being involved in the personnel decisions. I mean, that's pretty much what sunk him in Tampa Bay as well. Um, so I, I didn't really like the setup of this Raiders team at all. And what is fascinating is you're right. Like all the mainstays of the Raiders offense were pretty much blanked in this game. Obviously, Amari Cooper. I mean, I don't even know what to tell people anymore other than to just accept the fact that you might get one catch and you might get 10 catches. Like when he goes off, he's gone really He's really gone off, but when he's been a dud, he's been yeah, a, a total dud. And the guys who who really did well for the Raiders today were like the guys on the fringes. You know, Martavis Bryant, three for ninety one on three targets. Jalen Richard, six for fifty three on six targets. So I don't know, man. I I can't really common sense you on this one because this is a lot of what I thought was going to be the the Raiders' offense this year. I don't think Carr's played as well as his numbers have looked. So to me, I'm, this is more in line with what I expected to see from this team. What would it take you? I know he dropped a long would-be touchdown two weeks ago. What would it take you to be back in on Martavis Bryant? Uh, probably nothing. I it, it okay. would have yeah, it, I, like an injury to Jordy Nelson or something. Ship has sailed. Yeah, at least Nelson had a touchdown today. If you had yeah. to play him, although you know forty-three yards and a touchdown isn't going to carry anybody over the fantasy right. threshold, probably. But I mean, it's better than nothing. It's certainly better than what Cooper did. Yeah, Bryant to me was so, I've written him off. I'm, I'm ranking him so low in my rankings that I mean, you know, is there a difference between being receiver sixty five or receiver eighty one? I don't no, think there is. No. And hey, the um, Raiders wrote him off too. I mean, remember they cut him coming into the year. I guess because right, they didn't right. want to guarantee his salary or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the ship has definitely sailed on Martavis Bryant. And you know, speaking of the ship sailing, Scott, I want to pick your brain on this topic. We're moving into tomorrow's headlines today, um, and I think there's been a lot. You know, I was hearing on podcasts, reading articles, definitely a few people, I would say, taking a little bit of a victory lap on the whole, like, this was a good year to play the zero RB strategy. I know, Scott, how much you love uh, people taking victory laps publicly. <laughs> I know you're a big fan of that. Um, oh, yeah. If you look, yeah. If you look at the top scoring running backs on the season, it's a lot of guys that you would expect. You know, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley. If you look at just Yahoo's standard scoring, those are your top four players. Um, there's James White and James Conner mixed in there. TJ Yeldon's up there, obviously, because of injury. It really falls off the map, in my opinion, once you get to, like, running back 14. Then you're seeing guys like Austin Eckler, Matt Breida in there. What's been your opinion on the running back landscape, just coming off this week five especially, where we saw some, again, guys you would expect and guys you wouldn't expect as the top scorers? I think it's done better than maybe the consensus opinion might be. And, you know, David Johnson has been one of the quote-unquote frustrating players of the season. He still has a touchdown in three of his five games, and he has four touchdowns. Yep. And now he has maybe competent quarterback play in Josh Rosen. So, I mean, David Johnson, it's it's getting there. It's, it's getting there one small step at a time. But at least we can feel better about him, it seems like, every gradual week. My feeling has been for the last few seasons that I'm fine to take a running back in the first round. You just got to be all in on him. And yeah, you know, I, I guess um, 
I, I didn't think that the bell thing would last as long as it did. I mean, I, I was telling people in July and August, oh, these players, you know, they don't want to give up game checks. They, they hear their biological clock ticking. I, I'm sure whatever advice I gave on bell in the summer was wrong. Unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of draft slots where I had the opportunity to screw myself on bell. I just <laughs> screwed other people that, you know, I don't have any, I don't have any financial stake in their team. I don't mean to laugh about that, but Obviously, Gurley, you know, worked out as the number one pick. Elliott has been, I think, more of a hit than a miss. I think things are trending in the right way with Johnson. Kamara is looking like one of the right answers of the season. Yeah, you, you kind of knew what you were getting with Fournette. He's been hurt most of his career. But yeah, it comes down to, I think it was Sammy uh, Reed. I want to say, wrote a really good piece about talking about zero RB versus um, taking going big at running back. And he liked the idea that get one, if you get that one bell cow, that one horse, Melvin Gordon has had a great season so far, even with Eckler kind of you know chipping in with production every week. But it seems like Gordon lives in the end zone. That's a good offense. If you can get one back that you liked, and then you can just go you know bargain shopping or you know yard sales shopping for the rest of your backfield, like like most players are going to do anyway. But you know something like a running back in the first round or maybe in the second round, but then sandwiched by three or four receivers, and then you go back and you start hoping to get lucky with the guys who may have turned into James White. I thought Wendell Small would look really good today. But um, if we were redrafting, if we were starting from scratch uh, tomorrow, and, and if anybody wants to do one of those leagues, get in touch with me. I would want, I would, or especially in an auction, but we have more control over these things. But even in a draft. I'd love to take a running back in the first round. I just need to be sure of that back. And there's maybe four or five guys, I think, come into that category. After that, I'd say, you know what? Screw it. I'll just take the best receivers I can and hope to ham and egg it at running back. Yeah, I think that is really the way this season has gone. I mean, you, there's so many guys that are scoring like in the RB2 range. Like I said, Eckler, Breida, Naheem Hines, Buck Allen. I mean, everybody hates Buck Allen, <laughs> but, but Buck Allen produces. He puts up numbers in fantasy, at least, because the Ravens like him as a pass catcher and a and a, and a touchdown scorer down there near the goal line. So you and, can and definitely... you know what with Buck Allen? With Buck Allen, at least we know, and he's frustrating to me because I have more Alex Collins than I'd like to admit, yep. but at least we know two things about Allen. One, the Ravens like him. And two, the Ravens have two very specific things they like to do with Buck Allen. They, they like to throw the ball to him, especially when they're in a hurry up or, or come from behind situation. And they like to use him around the goal line. So at least, you know, we're week five, week six of the NFL season. You want to have things you can hang your hat on. You want to have a certain amount of form or consistency. At least we know, at least the Ravens have said, look, this is how we're playing it. We like Collins as a lead back, but it's kind of like a 55-45, 60-40 split. And Allen is going to do two specific things every week. So for all the teams, they'll have usage patterns that we can't follow or usage patterns that drive. Look at the Green Bay situation where I think most people want to believe that Aaron Jones is their most talented running back. I know Williams is the great pass blocker. We talked about him last week. You know, this week they had a game they got far behind. Aaron Jones was their third uh, heaviest snapped running back, which is just a frustrating thing to see, even with the game script getting out of play. At least we can say this about Baltimore. We know how they feel about their backs. We know what their roles are. And it gives us a pretty good chance of understanding the usage as we try to project the new game. Yeah, and, and by the way, like those two things that Buck Allen does well, as you mentioned, those are the two money touches, goal line scoring mm-hmm. and uh, pass catching. But let's talk about some of these other running backs that, that hit well today. James Conner had a nice little bounce back, 25 touches, 185 yards and a touchdown. Um, he was rolling right away. You know, as a home favorite, Steelers against a defense that, as everybody knows, has just been decimated. I mean, any number of their top five defensive players are out for extended stretches here. Great matchup for Connor, but he really delivers. And my takeaway from this 
performance was I know a lot of people were obviously right away willing to say, well, I mean, the Steelers need Le'Veon Bell back. And, and it, I mean, obviously, I think him being around would definitely help, you know, coming into this game. That's what people were saying. We were talking about that. But the biggest thing to me was this team just continued to get game scripted out of the run, you know, because their defense is just so god awful. But as soon as they are able to build up a lead on a, on a more inferior defense, then Connor's back into the circle of trust. What do you what do you think about that? About James Connor's performance today, and what do you think about it? Like, how long is his shelf life if Le'Veon Bell? And I say if because I'm still not willing to buy that he's just going to mm-hmm. walk right there in Week Seven. What do you think is going to happen with with Le'Veon Bell and James Connor? Well, the easy I'll take the easy part of the question first. I mean, Connor is, is a locked and loaded running back one for next week at Cincinnati. The Bengals have an okay defense, but it's not anywhere near needle moving. Then they get their bye week. Here's the difficult thing for me with the Steelers. After the bye week, they get Cleveland, who I think – I know they allowed a bunch of points to Oakland two weeks ago, but I think the Cleveland defense is pretty good. And I thought they really gave the the Ravens a devil of a time. And they, they – I'm sure Joe Flacco is going to be sore for a couple of days for all the hits he took. Yeah, they've been, they they've been better more than they've been bad. Yeah, there's year. a lot of talent there too. I could see that the defense I could see just getting better too as they get a little bit of confidence and maybe a sense of what whatever you think of Greg Williams as they you know, maybe coalesce <laughs> that Williams scheme. So it's Cleveland at Baltimore. The, their defense is obviously good. Carolina at Jacksonville, and then at Denver. I, you know, I, I seven weeks ahead. I don't really like to look that far. You know, personnel's going to change, players are going to get hurt, and all that. But Three out of the five games are on the road. I think we all know Jacksonville's defense is good. I, mean, I don't care what happened today with it. I mean, we know they, they can ball out, and the Ravens are a good defense. I think the Browns might be becoming a good defense. Carolina at least isn't a patsy. This right. is a difficult schedule with a running back and a team that don't get along, that has a – there's certainly a rift here. And we, we saw – remember when Connor scored the game one touchdown – and you know, the whole offensive line congratulated oh, him. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. It's it's this not is like a polarizing it, thing. It's you know totally. Yeah, it's not like Bell's just walking back. I know the start your studs situation. People will be saying that, but it's it's not like a locked and loaded thing to me with Le'Veon Bell coming back. James Conner. Who knows? Who knows? The Steelers have been historically just tossing one guy out there, mm-hmm. and that's it. Maybe that doesn't continue when Le'Veon Bell comes back because I do think he is definitely more their past than their future. Um, speaking of the future and because of kind of these younger running backs, I was actually just looking at this game before we hopped on the podcast, writing it up for my week five recap post that I do every single week. Bengals versus Dolphins. Bengals outlast the Dolphins. And both of their young running backs make big plays in this one. Uh, produce well. Joe Mixon, 25 touches. Uh, 115 yards and a touchdown through the air uh, per PFF's Nate Jenke. He actually played a career high 47 snaps today. So much for Marvin Lewis saying he might mm-hmm. be limited. <laughs> Marvin Lewis, like one of the least wor- trustworthy coaches in the NFL when it comes to injuries. Kenyon Drake, 115 yards total on 13 touches, led the team in receiving yards, catches and targets. But of course, out carried by Frank Gore. Where do you see these two young running backs? To me, one is very much trending up the other i'm not so sure we trust i mean it's all it's all green lights for mixon i mean they were careful about how much work they thought they could give him then the game got in a situation where he had to play a lot interesting that walton i don't know if walton got hurt in this game but he didn't carry the ball at all which shocks me i thought we'd see a little bit of walton had a couple catches just just yeah he had a couple of catches but you you would think with all the stuff they told us about mixon not wanting to thrust him into the heavy workload right away. And they just threw that out the window in, in part, maybe because they got behind. Remember they were tra- trailing 14, nothing at halftime. 
And I feel sorry for anybody who had a Miami ticket today. What a terrible beat that was being 10 games, you know, <laughs> losing by 10 after you, you had such a big lead, a couple of uh, Tandon Hill pick sixes in this game. But so, so mixing, it's easy. All systems go. Bernard's out several weeks. It sounds like Walton isn't ready for prime time as far as the team is concerned. And, you know, mixing looks healthy to me. I, I'd say I couldn't tell any difference. So um, he right now, I, I think if we redrafted, you could conceivably take Mixon in the first round and he would never get out of the second round. So Pro- probably top five pick, to be honest. Yeah, I, could, I, I you know what? I could see that. I, I guess it would decide, it would depend on how sold you were on the top receivers. If you're still yeah. view Antonio Brown there, if you would take Michael Thomas there, uh, you know, the ongoing Julio Jones problems, you know, he went three quarters without a catch today. God knows it would take a congressional order to get him in the end zone for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, Mixon, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's a first round pick and he could be the first half. He could be above the fold in that first round. Drake's what a, what about Drake? Player. Yeah. What about Drake, though? That's that's the one I want, really want to dig, dig in on the, here. The thing is, they're, they're just going to give Gore 10 plus touches a week. I mean, I, I, it's nice that Drake was involved in the yeah. passing game as much as he was. And I'd like to see that continue. You know, maybe it becomes a 50-50 backfield, but Drake's going to get a lot of his in the pass game. We want that. As you talked about earlier with um, with the Ravens, I mean, the money things for a receiver is to get goal line carries and to get work in the passing game. And we don't want Drake tackled by the team photo. We want him tackled by the lighter guys. We want him <laughs> tackled by the cornerbacks and the nickelbacks, you know, not the big guys up front. So I love actually the shape of his usage today. And to be fair, I mean, you know, Gore did get uh, 63 yards on his 12 carries with a long of 10. So this is a high success rate in there. Gore, I have to admit, looks better than I ever would have expected. I think he's going to play well enough to get in Drake's way. But what Drake did today, at least put, at least now you can kind of flex him or maybe if you're a little desperate running back to him and, and not hate yourself. I mean, today, if, if you had to play Drake, I would have been like, tell me there's another option. Tell me there's somebody <laughs> in the waiver wire you haven't unearthed yet. Because I, I just couldn't trust him after the way the Dolphins had used him during the first month. Now, I, I think he climbs maybe a half tier or a tier in my rankings, probably anywhere from five to ten slots, because I'm so encouraged by two things. One, you know, especially that receiving usage. But also, I, I don't want to overplay this card, but let's also remember that Miami lost the game. And so when a team loses a game, they, they have to think about what do we need to do differently or what what's working and what isn't working. And I would think that after this game, and I know assumption of rational coaching can get you in a lot of bad places, but I'd like to think that losing this game but having Kenyon Drake play this well will only lead to Drake at least maintaining this touch count for next week, if not maybe increasing on it. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, he does. He's definitely within their top three most explosive offensive players, and it's not a team that really has a ton to work on with offense. But I, yeah, I'm with you that I think with Kenyon Drake now, like you probably are not looking at dropping him anymore. Where I'm sure there are people that hate dropped him coming into this week. Uh, he's definitely somebody that you want on your roster. You just he's not back in the circle of trust, no doubt about it. But moving on to something, let's let's kind of run through some of the major games from today and just quickly hit on some of the bigger points here. Chiefs Jags. To me, it was the the big take was Jacksonville's offense. They put up numbers in garbage time, but did not really take advantage of a plus matchup. Uh, what, what was your big takeaway from Chiefs Jags? Yeah. Other than, than Yeldon, what 122 total yards and a touchdown, there's nobody in this offense I feel like you can ever play confidently. I mean, Bortles ended up with a bunch of garbage yards, and it really helps that he rushed in a touchdown. But Dante Moncrief, by the way, the most targeted player on Sunday. I'm just Awful. not used to Awful. saying that. You know, they gave Cole 10 looks. Uh, you know, four for 70 is a modest uh, production on that. You know, only 55 yards for Westbrook. 
TJ Yeldon is the Jaguar I'm going to ride or die with. And I can't, I feel like everybody else is like, well, if you're desperate, is it really, you really can't make a trade. You really can't pick somebody up. You're, you're sure you're not missing somebody. When I get A or B questions with Jaguars, I'm going to say it's, it's going to be answer C. You're, t- you're not telling me the right answer here. I only want to play TJ Yeldon. Yeah. This really wasn't the type of like explosive offensive shootout that we would have expected. Patrick Mahomes, two picks. He did score the rushing touchdown. Chiefs offense still moved decently well against this defense, but mostly it was Blake Bortles tossing four picks, which is is surprising there, you know, that you spin it back to TJ Yeldon, who he had 10 carries, also chipped in with, I mean, eight for 69 and a touch on through the air. That's huge. It's not what just makes him different than Fournette because he's, you know, Fournette's never a guy that's going to get that type of receiving workload. And of course, also worth noting that Corey Grant suffered a Liz Frank injury. Mm -hmm. He's done for the season, but Next game that we want to talk about. By the way, I'm he, glad Mahomes threw a couple of picks because I just wanted to know that that was possible. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, the the big joke in this game is when it started, Mahomes came on the field and it stopped raining. And people oh, yeah. like, oh my God, Patrick Mahomes can control the weather. <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, yeah, the total deity move there. Steelers-Falcons. This one didn't end up being the big, I mean, to be honest, like Scott, I know we came into this this week on our last podcast, really hammering home the ping pong nature of the NFL. A lot of these games were lower scoring than I thought. I mean, the the Falcons ended up, you know, 17 points to 41 for the Steelers, but just was never really competitive to me. You mentioned Julio Jones went long stretches of time without a, without a catch. Calvin Ridley, 38 yards. Muhammad Sanu was the one who hit the big play and, 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 and the running back split, uh, wh- like what? Do you, what was your big take from from this game? Either Falcons or Steelers side. It's going to be really hard to trust this Atlanta running game. Edo Smith, of all people, gets their rushing touchdown. They gave Freeman eight carries. They gave Coleman seven carries. Yep. Uh, their receiving tree is so long. I mean, you know, you, you need to have a really big monitor to see everybody they threw the ball to. I, mean, I, I think they they threw uh, Roddy White a couple passes in this game. <laughs> so uh, as much as you know, look, Ryan, look, Ryan's had a great season. We we know he's had to offset his defense. He didn't really do it today, but they're going to play a lot of plus matchups. I think maybe the Bengals next week. Oh, no, they put the Bengals last week. They have the um, the Buccaneers next week, which is a great one. So I'm really in on him. I, I you kind of know what you're dancing with with Julio. But uh, the thing that shocked me is Austin Hooper catching nine passes. Uh, most of those were in the first half. He even did the Julio. He had the catch that isn't going to lead to anything right before the half. You always love your player to get get involved on that play. But, man, five, five six, seven, eight. They threw the ball to 11 guys today, yeah, which is mind-blowing. And then you know three different people run it. The one guy you could never start scores the touchdown. Other than Ryan, I mean, you kind of know what Ridley is. I still think he's somebody I try to sell because his touchdowns against his targets and catches is obviously unsustainable. But – the Falcons could be a weird offense where they might be a better NFL offense than they actually are for fantasy because it's hard to push the button on the right guys in this offense at times. Yeah, I mean, Julio's the locked and loaded guy. I think you trust – you're hoping that the running back split, you know, with it comes a little bit more clarity in the coming weeks, especially Devontae Freeman, who they did say was going to be part of a three-way split. So it wasn't totally unexpected, but I think, like, Julio Jones is really the only one in the circle of trust, and we know that – What's gonna? We know what we're getting into there, but I I was really happy to see Antonio Brown get in on this one with six catches, one hundred one, and a couple of touchdowns. That was great to see for him. Speaking of receivers having a big game, uh, Odell Beckham in the Giants' offense kind of got right, but I mean, I watched this game very closely, and as a sort of kind of you know Panthers fan, whatever, uh, was very tilted watching this Giants team stick around because I mean their quarterback is just so obviously cooked 
But the skill position players all smashed here. Sterling Shepard had double-digit targets, went over 70 yards. Saquon Barkley, massive game. Odell Beckham, massive game. He even threw a touchdown, for God's sakes. What do you think of this Giants offense? Are you buying in uh, on these guys as able to hit their ceilings? Because I think that's what a lot of people were concerned with coming into this week. Well, you said Shepard had double-digit targets. Is there a Yahoo feature that you can add the two Shepherds and and get both (laughs) of their productions? I always get frustrated when the wrong Shepherd catches the ball. The Russell Shepherd revenge game. This was the Russell Shepherd revenge game. That's so awesome. Well, here's the thing. What I would here's my takeaway from this game. Other than, by the way, Saquon Barkley has some of the best runs I've ever seen that gain negative yardage. Yes, he'll make yes. two guys miss. It's like okay, great run by Barkley, second twelve for the Giants. You know, I, so, I love it too. I, I love the like the running back. You know that it's smart to take a running back. High truthers are in there. Like, well, listen, when the Giants get a great passing game and they get like three more offensive linemen. That pick is gonna look good. It's like, yo, that's the point. <laughs> right. Yeah. The that's whole point, the point was to tank this season so they can get the really great quarterback next year. Very cool. It's, it's this is such a frustrating team where, you know, obviously Ingram's hurt and they miss him. You, you and I both have loved Shepard for a long time. Beckham, without doubt, a generational player. And Barkley, look, two touchdowns today. One of them a, yeah. a blown coverage on the gadget play, but I mean, what a beautiful second touchdown flying through the air. And it's not hard to see how talented he is. But this is the Giants are I was saying this about the Bears and it looked really stupid last week, but the Giants are one of those steakhouses where the salad's great and the desserts are great and the drinks are great. And it's like, oh, well, what about the steak? I don't know about the steak. The Giants don't <laughs> have great. any steak. Yeah. They have Eli Manning, who is basically a really bad hamburger that was cooked two days ago that you shouldn't let anybody, you know, near because it probably has some kind of food poisoning tied to it. Uh, yeah. If you were worried about Beckham. Now, if you want to sell him, now's the, now's time, the time I would yep. try to sell him. I, I just don't trust Eli. I think Eli's going to sink this offense more than he doesn't sink it. The offense did look good today, but I don't trust Eli long term. I hate his pocket awareness. Uh, for whatever reason, Carolina's defense didn't play particularly well today, but I would try to get out of Beckham. That's my takeaway. I'd try to trade Odell Beckham before the Giants have a chance to remind us that they're actually a bad football team. Yeah, and I feel like I might be buying Odell Beckham. I just I can't I can't get past the the fact that he's so good that he has such locked in volume. I know the quarterback is just a total sinkhole, and I'm with you on that. I want to just mention before we get off this game too, Carolina definitely shot themselves in the foot several times. This game should have been over. Long, long ago, uh, should not have had to come down to a miraculous Graham Gano 60-plus yard field goal. Seems got legit playmakers, too. And, like, guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, I mean, it was like, as a longtime Panthers fan, it, it was weird to see two guys making plays in the open field on this offense. Not something you're used to seeing. Those two guys are, are players again. I'm not rushing out to the waiver wire to pick them up, especially Samuel, because you don't really know how involved he's going to be, but... If we're talking in 2019, like those two guys are big time fantasy factors, wouldn't surprise me. But I like more. He's one of those. Who is that guy plays? Oh, yeah. You see somebody yeah. make a flash play and you're not immediately maybe familiar with who it is. And you're, oh, yeah. Oh, DJ Moore. And then you think, oh, that's when they drafted him. And, he's, and it all kind of makes sense. And he's not even scratching the surface, you know, in terms of route running, all that sort of stuff. He's mostly just a big play guy right now. He had a great uh, rushing play, one carry, 18 yards. Good more young receivers here that I want to tap your brain on real quick. With the Green Bay Packers, obviously mm-hmm. disappointing loss. Mason Crosby just missing field goals left and right. Uh, but Equinemius St. Brown, five targets, three catches, 89 yards. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I mean, my God, the all-name team here. Seven catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown for him. Do you think these guys are players people should pick up? Because obviously Geronimo Allison has a couple injuries right now, concussion and a hamstring issue. But... 
it's worth noting about Randall Cobb. He's, of course, injured again, and I think he might just straight out fall out of this team's favor. You know, the ringers, Michael Lombardi, was reporting that he might be a trade candidate coming into this year. Mm-hmm. Are you valuing either of these two guys uh, as priority pickups heading into uh, week six? I am. I mean, this is a team that isn't sure what its identity is running the ball. And we know the Cobb. I mean, there's been rumors all, as you said, all summer about is he going to get cut? Is he going to get traded? They didn't spend the highest draft capital, but they spent draft capital on these two receivers, these two rookie receivers. And they looked, they made splashy plays. I mean, Valdez Scantling had a touchdown. He almost had a second score where he, he got the ball right around the one yard line and fumbled. I think they eventually called it an incomplete pass, but you know, he gets 10 targets in his first game, his first game action of, of note. And, you know, plus you get all these Scrabble, you know, values of these guys. They both have a Q in their name. There's a V. You know, there's just a, a, a lot of you have to learn how to. I feel sorry for the uh, Green Bay beat writers. They're gonna have to come up with maybe Mar- Marquez <laughs> Valdez Scantling is just gonna be just MVS. MVS. You just gotta go yeah. MVS, dude. And and yeah, equanimity is St. Brown ESB. Like you can you can just go like the you remember Doriel Green Beckham like sure talk about ghosts from fantasy past like people just went DGB with him I think we can probably just keep I that always for- love Green Beckham because it's like you know he's not he's not uh, AJ Green and he's not Odell Beckham he's, no, he's no, Green no, Beckham no. yeah he, just yeah the, you know, <laughs> these two these really two popped. great receivers mishmashed into one and it turned into a guy that washed out of the league very very quickly um, I'm enjoy I'm enjoying the passive aggressive fight by the way between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy which oh dude you know, Packer so fans will tell me goes back, and Packer beat writers will tell me goes back far before this year. I guess this year is maybe the time I've kind of enjoyed it the most because you know McCarthy's getting really defensive, and Rodgers is just saying, "Look, even last week, I mean, they won twenty-two to nothing. Usually, when you win twenty-two to nothing, everybody's happy, yeah. sunshines and rainbows at the press conference." Yeah, there's... and Rodgers was like, "We left a ton of points on the field. This guy's going to be playing more. We don't do this very well." Do you think there's a chance that Mike McCarthy could be fired? It won't happen this week, but could be fired at some point in the middle of the season. I doubt it just because it's a team that like, I mean, they will ride something to the end. And the fact yes. that I think that McCarthy's been around this long, um, that's why like people think thinking Mason Crosby is going to lose his job. Like I doubt it just because green Bay is very loyal. Crosby has had these games before where he just completely falls on his face. I bet Crosby sticks around and I bet Mike McCarthy, like I bet he sticks around, but I'm with you that I, I'm ready to see Aaron Rodgers with a different head coach. I'm ready to see him, you know, and, and it's important. Why, to know, not let, why not let Rodgers call the plays? I know a lot of games morph into He basically that, does. Where, I mean, he basically does. Yeah. He, he, he is an improviser for sure. And I think that's why all these guys like MVS, ESB, that's why we're talking about them. Because with Rodgers out there freelance and making plays, I think we're going to – I think these guys are interesting. I really like both of their talents coming into the league. So I am with you. I think we pick these guys up. I think there's someone to be interested on all waiver wires. Both of them looked good to me today, um, even though there will be some growing pains. And whichever one falls out of Rodgers' favor faster will you know, be you know, shot into the Jeff Janis cannon uh, into the sun. Let's jump to our user question segment at me. You, of course, at us at Yahoo Fantasy. You follow the handle there. We asked people today, what performances from week five do they kind of see as fool's gold? We've got a few that I want to run through rapid fire with you here, Scott. One, of course, was Isaiah Crowell. I mean, are you buying Isaiah Crowell? Because not not only did he have a big game today, he's actually a top 10 running back right now. Right now, he's RB10 on the season in Yahoo standard scoring. Scott, what the hell do you make of Isaiah Crowell? I always thought he was a little bit underrated in Cleveland. I mean, he's not a total zero in the past game. Obviously, Duke Johnson was their preferred guy to throw to, but 
Crowell would get a couple of catches. The fact that they have two backs that they use a lot with, with Powell also being in that, uh, in that backfield, that doesn't really bother me because right now there's no third back. I mean, McGuire get hurt early in camp. I'm not sure if, if he has a chance to come back this year, but because it's just two guys sharing the work and it's nobody else, there's no third guy. Darnold isn't interested in running that much. I think there's enough for both of these guys. What you need is Darnold to play effectively enough that the offense stays on schedule and moves the ball and, and you saw Darnold hit a couple of big plays today. Of course, when he, when he throws a long touchdown at Robbie Anderson, it doesn't help the running backs at all. But yeah, I think Crowell's going to be fine. As like a RB24, RB26, something like that. If you had a strong team, you maybe wouldn't have to use him. If you're on the borderline, which a lot of us are, you might have to. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. He's not going to be good every week because if he was, then he, you know, there's just so many set it. There's such a limited amount of set it, forget it backs in, in fantasy football right now. I think Powell is certainly worth owning, and I think he's somebody that more often than not a standard fantasy owner would be starting. Yeah, I feel you on that. Uh, it's worth noting he is tied for, behind Todd Gurley, number two in rushing touchdowns. He's tied with Alvin Kamara, who, of course, will go tomorrow, James Conner, Carlos Hyde, and Isaiah Crowell, all there with five touchdowns on the ground. He has just six catches this year. That is the part. It, like he has a, he, He's basically LeGarrette Blunt, where he has no floor. Um, you need him to have a big rushing game. You need him to score some touchdowns. I'm with you, though, that he's somebody that I think is fine, not great. Uh, I told my friend Matt Franciscovich used to work together at NFL.com. Like he's a guy that I'm just like not even interested in debating on how good he is anymore. Like if you think he's good, mm-hmm. that's great. If you think he sucks, that's fine too. I <laughs> just don't care. I'm not buying into him. I would think you could sell him if you want. What about Demarius Thomas? Obviously, he's a guy who got a late touchdown in this one. The Broncos just got smoked by the Jets on in through the air on the ground. Whatever you want, especially on the ground, man. They Powell and Crowell both ran through them. Demarius gets the late touchdown. Obviously, Case Keenum missed him for what could have been the game-winning touchdown the week prior against the Kansas City Chiefs. Where do you stand on Demarius Thomas? Because coming into this one, he had been, I think, under 70 yards in 14 of his last 15 games. Where do you stand on Thomas right now? He's a tough guy to watch. I always feel like he's wearing the wrong contacts or, or you know, something in the lighting is bothering him. Obviously, should have had a touchdown that Chiefs game and Keenum missed him, but uh, you know, the late touchdown came. I mean, you don't like the fact that 14 targets went to Sanders and six went to Thomas. At least if I don't mind it as a Sanders guy, but if you're a Thomas guy, you don't right. like it. Another right. team that their receiving tree was very wide today. And you wonder if there's a quarterback change coming at some point during the season because I, mean, I think they think Keenum is a long-term solution. Kelly played well in the preseason, but he is a project. But I just think that something maybe in November, December, it becomes a, a more of a viable factor. I view Thomas as a wide receiver three. There may be some people with strong rosters where they don't have to play him. There may be people with weak rosters who have to bump him up into the receiver two conversation just because of necessity. I think he's clearly it's, – it's interesting that he was clearly seen as the one and, and Sanders as the two before the season. That's got to flip now. I mean Sanders is the guy that they like more. Thomas is the more variable player. If I were redrafting, I'd probably have him in that receiver 33, 35, 37 range. And I'd have to take him more reactively. Like, oh, okay, nobody else wants him. He lasted an extra round, then I would take him. He's not somebody I'm going to be proactive proactive or optimistic about going forward. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I don't think I'm in on Thomas after this one. What about Austin Hooper? Because we mentioned him a little bit earlier. He had a big game against the Steelers. Steelers were giving up, you know, a ton of production to tight ends. On the, They were just getting worked in the middle of the field. I, I swear to God, I listen to like DFS podcasts every week that recommend Austin Hooper as a play. I guess right. this is finally where it hit. With the tight end landscape being what it is, yeah, yeah. Hit, hit being seventy seven yards and no touchdown. I mean, yeah. you know, it wasn't it wasn't like yeah. he was spiking left and right in this game. But yeah, I hear you. I mean, for a, a hit 
you know, within context of uh, the tight end position, which, as I mentioned, sure. is a mess. Is he somebody that's getting closer to the circle of trust? Well, it's funny. We were talking in our um, Yahoo Slack about who could be some of the pickups of the week. And I thought for a second, maybe Hooper could be not realizing that he's well over 50% of, which is generally seen as the cutoff. I mean, people are so screwed at tight end to begin with. And I know part of those pickups could have been eyeing this matchup because it looked like a really juicy fantasy matchup. But I like the fact that Hooper, I mean, he's around the time where tight ends start to show something if they have any promise to show. And he was a decent player in college. He spent a lot of time. This is all narrative, but he spent a lot of time in the offseason playing catch with Matt Ryan. I mean, that, that can't hurt, at least to, you know, I don't know, have some rapport that doesn't necessarily involve practice with the team that, that's in the back pocket. They've tried to get him involved at the goal line. I remember he was targeted in the opening night loss at Philadelphia. He's had some targets in, in the uh, home games for Atlanta. So even though no touchdown today, again, we, we know that, that they don't want Julio to score. So Hooper, he's probably going to end up with like 650 yards and like three to five touchdowns that we can never predict that probably in this ugly tight end season will put him maybe anywhere from tight end 11 to tight end 15. If that sounds like something that, you know, something you can stomach, something you can get down, then I'm fine with it. I just don't think the upside is very high here. Yeah, I think you do exactly what you did with Austin Hooper today, which is you play him in potentially high-scoring shootout games against softer defenses, and otherwise you probably don't really trust him. But hey, there's not many tight ends that you can trust out there. But that is going to be it for us on this Week 5 recap edition of the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. If you're sick of listening to me already, don't worry, I get it. Liz will be back on Thursday. Uh, You don't have to hear me uh, pretend to be a host anymore. Uh, But in the meantime, while you're waiting for Liz to get back, while you're waiting for the Thursday show, remember to spread the news spread the word about the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Sports Podcast on social media. You can subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to do to help us grow the show. Those reviews really help on Apple Podcasts. You can, of course, do that wherever you podcast, whether it's, you know, all the other services out there. Please make sure to go to yahoo.com slash fantasy football to continue to read the work that Scott's going to do from this recap for Sunday that I'll be posting there. You remember, you can follow us at Yahoo fantasy on Twitter. I'm Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter. That's Scott underscore Pianowski, a couple of underscore bros bringing you this week five recap. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.